Hey everybody, welcome to another wacky episode of Warrior Chats, the sideshow hustle that is Opinions Are Cheap. We make no money. This is dumb. I'm here with Emily, my good friend, who is a panda. Hello. Uh, And today we're going to talk about Amphibia, that hit uh, Disney cartoon with frogs and the the girl that goes to live with some frogs. The frogs Um, and the toads and the newts. Anyways, I watched this recently, um, less recently than you, because it sounds like you binged the shit out of it. I mean, only a little bit. I would like sort of binge it in spurts. And then I watched like half of the last season uh, of season three today because I still had that to do. That's so much TV. I I can never get over like how people will just sit down and be like, I'm going to watch like five hours of TV today. Well, I was also doing my nails during some of it, so, like, that helped. Does it really take that long to do your nails? No, but it can take a while. Like, it can take, like, an hour for nails to dry after you're done doing them. So, uh, and so, I mean, unless you have, like, a, one of the, like, UV light nail dryer things, but I don't. So, uh, I have to let mine air dry. And so, you know, when... When you've got to sit somewhere for an hour and not uh, mess up your nails, watching TV is something to do. I kind of like the idea of of putting on nail polish and sticking my hand under one of the UV lights at work to see if that would cure it. it I mean, it probably would. It probably would, and it would. I'm pretty sure it gets very hot under there, so it it would, for a lot of reasons, be a health hazard. We have guarding for you know. For, for lots of safety reasons, but that was the first thing that came into my head when you said, oh, there's ways to UV cure nail polish. <laughs> it's like, oh, we got a bunch of those. There's also a, uh, there, unrelated to nail polish, there's also an event going on in Splatoon 3 this weekend, so I was, like, playing some of that while I was re-watching Amphicus. Okay. It's something so that I can sort of do a little mindlessly while I watch the TV. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of wish that we had recorded this a little closer to when you had finished. So it would be a little fresher, but I'm still excited to get very mad at your opinions tonight. I okay. Oh, on the record, overall, I really, really like this show. It's it's a fantastic cartoon. Um there, it, it, it does so many things well. The characters are really well written. The world building is, is wonderful. I love Warwood. I love the frog planet, whatever it is. There's such really, really great stuff in here. Um, I have a couple, a couple of minor complaints we'll eventually get into, but we don't have to start there. We can uh, yeah. start with all the fun things. I feel like your biggest complaints are with the end, so it feels like we should wait to get there, probably. Specifically, the last like fifteen minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to it. Um, but what did you imagine going three seasons and then fucking up the last fifteen minutes of the last episode? Oh, Just Chad, Chad, don't start, don't start on this this early. We're we're not even five minutes into the episode recording. Uh, what? How did you feel like going into Amphibia to start with? Because this was one that I was pushing pretty heavily onto you uh, after Owl House. So during Owl quite, House, and yeah. After Owl House. Um, and then the the, the same friend I've, I've brought up a couple times in my writers group was also. I think he had mentioned this one. He 
he liked it less than you did. And so he's like, I don't really recommend this one as much, but you might enjoy it. <laughs> um, but I, I knew the crux going in was that it was an isekai <laughs> with frogs. And I was like, okay, that's that sounds fun. It's come and recommended. The last Disney stuff I watched has been really good. I, I'm willing to just go in fairly blind. Oh, I also knew it, it had a bit of a Digimon ending. And I was like, okay, that's fine. That's three seasons away. That's not going to bother me that I know basically I how this ends. I'm not sure that I know what you mean by that, but I'm sure we'll we'll get there when we get there. Did you never? Oh, no, I, you were no, I mean, you're like, younger than I am. Hold on, I have watched Digimon, to be clear. It's just been a hot minute since I saw, like, the end of... I assume that you mean Digimon Adventure 1, the first season or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a hot minute since I saw the end of that show. Well, has, has that really not stuck with you for, like, the last 22 years? Because... I guess not. It's so sad. They were all friends and they got to leave and say goodbye. And it turns out summer vacation's over and they got to go back to school. Yeah, but unlike you, I went on to watch like Digimon Adventure 2 and Digimon Tamers. So like it wasn't like Digimon ended for me. I maybe watched Digimon Adventure 2. I know I feel like I didn't. <laughs> it's probably not that important. Uh, the, the point is Digimon has stuck with me. Parts of it. I've not, I haven't rewatched that show in ages. And I, I think about it once in a while, and then I'm just like, do I really want to open that genie bottle? Do I you should definitely at least just watch the Digimon the movie. It just, it might be bad. I think, the, I think Digimon the movie actually still holds up, which is remarkable for something that was uh, a Franken-movie of three different shorts in Japan that they edited into one movie because the Pokemon movie had come out and was very successful, so Digimon in America needed a movie. We are, we're already losing the plot. Uh, back to Amphibia. Um, yeah, the, the ending is very sad, but... Um, so what, it's something I really like about season one is that Anne kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> like, she, she's like a total asshole. Because I remember Anne, messaging Anne is you our that. main character uh, audience, by the way. Anne Boontoy, uh, Thai American uh, teen girl who gets transported to a frog world. I, I remember messaging you this, like, around, I think, episode eight or nine. And I was like, Emily, I don't know if you know this, but... Anne is kind of annoying. Oh, she sucks like, so yeah. bad in season one. It's great. Yeah, you were just like, she's 14. And I was like, I know, but goddamn, does she, does she be 14? Obviously, you know, crux of the, the, the show is she has a very long, uh, complicated character arc and, and grows <laughs> as a person, which is great. But even her, despite her being very kind of selfish and, and uh, teenager-y in the, in the beginning, like, She's still fun. The The planner family that she's staying with are fun. The world is so just whimsically entertaining. I love all the critters. Um, yeah, I, I was so willing to overlook kind of what I thought was flaws in her because I liked everybody else. And she still <laughs> played with everybody really well. Like, it, it was kind of funny to be like, well, I really like the grandpa character. Like, he's probably one of my favorite characters in season one because he's like he's the adult. He's really great. He's, he's great. He's funny. But he is like the the bit of reason, right? Like he is the adult in the room. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh shit, sometimes that's me now. It's <laughs> nice to be able to... It's like if you agree reading Harry Potter and you're like, boy, all the adults are written so dumb. I, that bothers me. It doesn't bother you when you're 10. But when you're 30, you have slightly different expectations out of adult characters. Well, and I also 
also think that like that's just a strength of a lot of modern shows is that we're actually getting like multifaceted adult characters and they're not just like you know uh womp 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 I mean, even like, you know, with the Owl House cast, Ida and um, her sister are very multidimensional characters and, and mm-hmm. have to be the adult in the room and make really difficult decisions. And that's that, you know, we, we've talked about that. That's really refreshing. And, and it carries over into Amphibia, where, yeah, some of the characters are kind of silly, like Wally is a goofball. But at the same time, Wally is like wonderfully endearing. And so he gets to be both of these things and it, and it works because he's really well written. He also is uh, a uh, rich asshole cosplaying at poverty. <laughs> you know, it's fine. He makes it work. <laughs> I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not going to lord that over his poor blue-haired head. I think it's very funny and and stupid. Not not stupid like I'm complaining about it though. Um, but I I really like all like all of the variation in the characterization for the like the townsfolk and uh it's never not funny in season one when they are just going on at length about how ugly Anne is because like she's the to them she is this ugly beast and like the there's the the episode in season one where she gets like really bad acne for a few days and they like suddenly think she's beautiful there's a lot of fun things in season one that involve the town because like the town ultimately really don't like or trust her at first. And she's got to earn Not that. At all. And then like by season two, they all have such a rapport together and you it like the, there's such a really wonderful progression to this show. Um, it feels very smart, despite the fact that it's a lot of 11 minute episodes. Uh, they're very quick. They have kind of, a, you know, very a lot of visual gags that are, are, are very cartoony. And, and like, despite all of the things that make this kind of feel like it could just be another cartoon yeah. under the surface, it's extremely well handled and very smart. So um, got a really strong sense of continuity. Yeah. Like, uh, something I noticed in rewatching it is that, like, there are things that they set up in season one that they bring back in season three that by the time, because I watched all of this show in release time as it was coming out like i started watching it like when it started coming out basically uh and like like from episode one and so there were plenty of things that i forgot about but like uh, one thing that specifically stuck out to me was like in season three there's like a an episode where hot pop has like a a subplot where he's gonna become like an actor uh, because like he's always wanted to be an actor, but he gets ca- cast in like a, a television advertisement. But like they reference that in season one, and they like he says what will eventually become his catchphrase, and somebody is like, "Oh, you should be it, or I, I, you should be an actor or something." And then like they bring that back, you know. Uh, so many episodes later and there's just so many things like that like where they lay the groundwork for everything really early and like build things up really well there's a lot of intentionality to almost everything yeah it either feels like they had a very long-term plan for stuff or they took really good notes and so when they hit a point where they're like oh what should we do next they could go back to see 
where their continuity was kind of leading to and then just continue on with that. And I would venture um, to say it's probably a little column A, probably a little column B. Yeah, I, I usually I usually don't ascribe that much intentionality to, to stuff. Uh, there's a lot of accidents and um oh, that's what just did part we of do the creative in, process. Yeah. But at the same I, I do think there there is a lot of intentionality in this show because of the way things build into each other just so well. Absolutely. I think I think where this show, the episode that really um, kind of cemented this is like, oh, this is something special, is episode nine in season one, where uh, Anne works at Stumpy's Diner and, and introduces Thai food. Yeah. Uh, largely to, you know, because uh, there was a food critic she didn't like, but it felt, it felt like such a wonderful, human, cute moment that I've never seen in like an isekai before. I don't really watch a lot of isekai because most of the anime stuff is garbage. But oh, like yeah, this 100%. idea of that. You are from literally another world. You bring so much stuff that no one is going to know about. And like, that's really magical. That's really cool. So, and like food is such a, a cultural touchstone. So for her to be like, Hey, I can bring earth food, but it, then it's not just earth food. It's, you know, my specific culture, like my white ass would be bringing like hot dogs or whatever. She's like, no, 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 we're, we're going to do, we're going to do something way better than fucking hot dogs. Remember the episode where she wants to make eggs uh, and introduce eggs to the planters. Like, they're they're so cute, but they're also they mean a lot. Like they feel very smart and um, yes, just big moments that are hidden in like mundane things. Yeah, um, the when you mentioned the restaurant episode, that always makes me think of there's like this there's this quote from uh, Anne's mom in season three where like after they've gotten like the info dump about like the exposition dump of everything that's happened up until this point and Anne's mom just goes you made lop with maggots was it good oh yeah yeah and for some reason that just I think about that line like the delivery of was it good like all the time I love that like as a, as a chef like that that literally is like the most important question yeah. to her is it, you know you, you get a really good insight into how she thinks with like a little lines like that and those kind of things are, are really peppered throughout this show yeah talk talk about good adult characters Anne's fucking parents are Anne's parents incredible. are awesome like her dad's this fucking nerd and i love it so much he like loves anime and plays like world of warcraft they're also still like the adult in the room when they mm-hmm. need to be. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. It's they, like a lot of times a parent like that, you would expect to be like the, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom type of character, but like her parents can have their own like dorky interests and that not like be like a compromising element. Yeah. They, they feel like real people. And I feel like hop hop feels like a real person too. Cause he's, mm-hmm. he's much the same way. Absolutely. Um, so then episode uh, uh, episode 10, the toad tax, and then like where Hop Hop's like food stand where that almost gets taken away and then the tax stuff. And there's like mm-hmm. politics in this show and like a lot more to the world that it, that it lets on is yeah. nice. But also the concept of money and like, oh, this family has like actual tangible problems. Like Anne isn't just crashing at their house. She is a bit of a, you know, she could be a bit of a burden because, oh God, they have to like, provide for someone else and so mm-hmm. then she starts helping on the farm like there's just a lot of it feels really grounded and realistic despite it being a magic girl story stuck in a world with talking frogs and and i think that's one of the things i really like about this is it it has a groundwork and like a an internal logic that it doesn't really break 
It also helps, I think, that the magic is, at least for seasons one and two, very sparing. Like, Mm -hmm. you hardly see anything like that in season one, aside from, like, you know that magic got her here, but, like, she lands in an area where, like, magic is not used that much. So, like, it kind of, it, it lends that, like, it's fantastical, but not, like, so fantastical. It very it, it eases you into a lot of the the world through her experience with it. One of the things I think is really smart about the way it's handled is like with season two, there's not a lot of magic, but we we start getting um stuff about hey, this world isn't quite what it seems. Like you, we find this like factory where they're building uh, robots, right? You know, it's just like this is weird. Also very Ghibli esque, which is cool. Um, then there's the the one uh frog with the pink hair who's kind of goth like she casts spells a couple times but it, it it for the most part it's sort of like haha is what she doing real and then it turns out it is but at that point you've been in the show long enough where you're willing to accept it and you're like oh okay so this is just another facet of this world that's cool where's this gonna go and so yeah, yeah it, it really introduces it's um more supernatural stuff uh in a really smart way where it, it's just in the background until it doesn't need to be but when it shows up it's not surprising That's the thing is like the way that it is laid in the background lays the groundwork for it to be incorporated into the main plot. One other thing for season one, uh, we get Sasha and Grimes and I like, I didn't like either of them in season one because they are (laughs) objectively written as unlikable characters, but it's another thing. You're not supposed to like them. They're the villains. I know they have such good, the good character turns though. Like by the end, I'm like, oh, I fucking love these two. I literally have like a grime, like a grime plush and a Sasha plush on the bookcase behind me <laughs> that I bought off the internet. I believe that. They're standing together because do not separate them, father and daughter. <laughs> Grimes is a fun character, but I, I really like how Sasha's written. I, she's very. Do you have. She's do a you very have good any, school bully. Do you, do you understand what it was like to be me and to just sit through, like, Two and a half seasons of you being like, I fucking hate Sasha. Sasha's the worst. She's horrible. I, I mean, I understand it in that you still like defend Nami from Utna. We're not going to go there. Hey, she only did the one bad thing. She sucks. Uh, okay, you can't say that. That's objectively wrong. We're not going to get into this. Anyway, Sasha so- is like, oh, she's a well-written school bully in that she feels very authentic. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I knew people like her in high school. Fucking don't like them at all. And <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, it shows the writing's good. But also, she she's supposed to be abrasive. Like, that that is the point. I, I wasn't being wrong when I was like, fuck her. <laughs> Uh, you you just had, you know you knew where it goes and and, and the payoff well, is very also, good. I mean, I liked Sasha from the beginning, but that's just personal taste. I saw an angry cheerleader. I saw an angry mean cheerleader girl, and I was like, you know, I I had no choice. The afflictions you have, Emily. I just uh, I can't relate, but I I will respect them. You know, I different people have different tastes, Chadley. That's just how it goes. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, I think I like Sasha's arc in this show is so fucking good. I I think that all three of the main trio of girls, Anne and her two friends, like I think that they all go through really great arcs through through the course of the show because like 
there there's sort of this show sort of has has two hearts like one is Anne and her relationship with the planner family and then the other is Anne and her relationships with Sasha and uh Marcy because like the these are like Anne's two foundations and like I just think that like the the execution of these like relationship like interpersonal relationships and interpersonal conflicts is handled extremely well. I have some like nits to pick in like season three, but I am am willing to uh, forgive it based on the fact that it's a Disney show and you can't really like actually deal with trauma in a Disney show, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that that. I, that is definitely some issues I have with season three, but like up until that point, I really, mm-hmm. I really like Marcy a lot. She she's so fun when she's introduced, and there's like here's Anne's view of her, and then here's her actual view of her, and <laughs> they're a really good like oh here's the conflict, but I I enjoy this conflict. Like Marcy's been having her own shenanigans since she's been here. We just didn't get to see them. Uh, that's cool. It makes for such a like insane character introduction too, because like the first time you see her in the show, I think is or not in the show, but like one of the first hints that you get to, as to what Marcy's been up to is like in the opening in the season two opening, they show her like you can see her with like her hood up and it's all mysterious and shit. And then you get to her and she's just been fucking dorking around Newtopia. Yeah. Reading books just, and shit. I'm in an RPG. This is great. I've always wanted to be in an action RPG. And, you know, she's got her crossbow on her hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, Marcy. And it's so funny, like, the, the, the different versions. Like, Anne ends up living on a farm and doing manual labor. Marcy is living her best life by being a mercenary in another world and collecting them RPG stats. And then Sasha is thrown in fucking jail. In a way, Sasha's also living her best life because, like, yeah, she's thrown in jail, but then she works her way up to fucking, like... Second lieutenant or whatever. Yeah, what I don't know army terms. I want to say, like, first mate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that's not that one, but... But that's basically what happens, is she, like, manages to charm her way up the, like, hierarchy of, like, and become, like, the second in command to like the toad army and i like i love how i love how specifically fitting like each of them is to like the society that they sort of landed in and like the way that that resonates thematically and like the way that they are just like another iteration of like the original like Leaf and uh, Antreus and Feral Trio and like I just love parallels. It's also a really good use of just all their like fundamental personalities. Like Marcy is liked because she's useful. I mean, she's fun, but largely she's useful. She's really smart. She knows how to get shit done. Uh, Sasha's liked because she can be manipulative and she also knows how to get shit done. She just does it in a different way. And Anne's just liked because she's kind of a dork, but she's a likable dork. And, you know, her heart, she means well whenever, whatever she's doing. And, and you, yeah, you kind of just smile and be like, yeah, I guess we're glad to have you along. They make for a very balanced team. Like they have very different skills and like they make for a very believable friend group. Yeah. Honestly, that's like the great heel turn in, in in season three when you find out that like Marcy's relationship to the other two 
is a lot more complicated. And, and you know, she's kind of coming to terms with like, oh, I don't know if my friends are actually my friends while going through, you know, magic bullshit as well. But I, I thought that was like a really profound way to kind of use her character. And then some of the backstory with Andreas was, was a really similar vein where like, how strong is our friendship? How, what, what wedges can get in the way? And then what does it mean when friends stop being friends anymore? <laughs> and the show like is, was always kind of asking some pretty tough questions like with Spragan, you know, not having his parents. But I think to me, especially near the end with Andreas and like some of the shit he goes through, some of the stuff with Marcy and just be really realizing kind of where the loyalties lie was like the heaviest stuff in this show and it was handled really well. And I was just like really surprised that, oh, we're going here. Like, I didn't think we would ever go here in a Disney show to this degree, but here we are. And this is this is wonderful because it's really captivating storytelling. Yeah, you might say it was the the hardest thing. I don't get it. That's the that's the, the name of the series finale. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I... <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't remember what I was about to say, unfortunately. I got too excited about So I, w- I wanna say season two might be my favorite. Yeah. Um there's a there's a tonality and uh I don't know, an atmosphere to season two that that I think is really wonderful and it's really encapsulated in the the end kind of credit scene where Anne is they're you know, they're on this um caravan driving somewhere and she's mm-hmm. up, she's reading a book, it's nighttime, she's got a lamp above her. And the weather looks really nice and, you know, no, nothing's trying to kill them for once. And it's such <laughs> a it's such a pleasant kind of adorable scene. And it makes me really nostalgic. Like, I want to be there so bad, just like in that environment, reading a book like that looks like the best place. The end theme music for the episodes is just so like it's just such a vibe. It's so soothing and like it. It has like this atmosphere of like just the song itself has like this atmosphere of like a warm summer night and you're like reading a book outside and like there's bugs buzzing around, but like you don't even care. Like it's just so like comforting and soothing and the way that it is like the 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 different animations like I think in the. I think in season one, like, it's just, like, Anne and Sprig, and then, like, in season two, it's them on the caravan, and I, despite the fact that I just watched episodes of season, I don't remember what the season three one is, but, yeah, it's just, like, the music in this show is just really fucking good. Yeah, it, it really is. And I, I really like that season two is, like, because season one, you're you're getting acclimated to amphibia as like concept as a as a world and then season two or you're mostly in wartwood i guess but like you're you're getting sort of like the the lay of the status quo and then season two you has them traveling across amphibia to get to the city of newtopia and like you see so many different areas and like the the monster of the week uh formula gets like a bit of a a shake up like it's still there but like you're getting like newer and different uh things basically every episode and it's also season 2 has the uh gravity falls parody oh yeah that episode's amazing oh it's so good 
There's also a lot more politics going on as we really get to learn about Newtopia and what's going on there. And like Andrea seems cool, but then there's like weird fucking ghosts in his basement. <laughs> and, and so there's just so much like there's like something is cool here, but something's also really not cool. I don't exactly know what. And so you're it, it was hard to pull some of the plot twists as they went along, which was which is really refreshing. Yeah. We, we also get a Battle of the Bands episode, which was funny. Yeah, uh, Sasha has her stupid heart stopper song. I love that Grimes ends up winning that because he plays the harp for like three fucking hours. And he deserved it. Honestly, when he loses his arm, my first thought was like, oh, no, he's not gonna be able to play the harp anymore. (laughs) Poor guy. They can make him a new one. They have the technology. It does. It does seem like they have the technology. You know, there was actually a lot of speculation that Anne was going to lose an arm uh, based on, like, just people trying to figure out things being, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, When you put something in the plot to indicate that something else is going to happen later. Foreshadowing. Oh, yeah, yeah, People were trying to figure out things that, like, seemed like they might be foreshadowing to, like, Anne, like, getting her arm chopped off or something. It never ended up happening, which is kind of weird, but uh, I thought it was... there Since I was following this, like, the entire time it was coming out, like, I was front, front row seat to weird fan theories and shit so uh it it was a wild time the amphibia fandom is was fucking wild all fandoms are kind of fucking wild true very true yeah season two is great there's so many like really good moments in season two Mm -hmm. and then the ending is is a really wonderful climax and they oh they get shoved into Anne's world and that was cool i like season three i'm not gonna pretend i don't (laughs) <laughs> there are parts of it it doesn't quite fit as well like with, with Anne and Amphibia I feel like certain hijinks you get they come and go a lot easier because they're in a cartoon world mm-hmm. versus they're in the real world and it doesn't work that way and so I was like a lot more on the like the almost like kind of edge of my seat when things are going are going down in, in season three because like I'm like oh I can understand what the real world consequences are for this Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the show is always thinking about them because it's a cartoon and so they're probably not thinking about uh, well I guess the government does try to come and steal the frogs to dissect them so I mean they had that going for it <laughs> yeah unfortunately I feel like season 3 is like not as like sh- cohesively strong as the first two seasons and I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that this season was being worked on during 2020. I think the entirety of season three was produced during the pandemic and or like, you know, like not just like the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and I don't know, I, I have to wonder if maybe like it got less episodes than it may have originally, like maybe they were th- hoping for uh i mean it's got like almost the same amount of episodes uh but like in like notably the uh like for the finale of season three like instead of uh instead of having 20 episodes they have 18 and uh 
like one of them is like an hour or uh like a full 30 minutes instead of uh or a couple of them are a full 30 minutes instead of like the the two 15 minute segments or whatever i don't know but um some of it feel, feels a little like i don't feel like ramshackle is quite like ramshackle feels too mean but it's, you know it's what definitely i mean a bit le- yeah it's definitely a bit less cohesive and i feel like some of the heart to heart moments that they have some really really great ones uh and taking everybody to the uh temple and getting to meet uh her her family and her extended family and just mm-hmm. like this culture of people that was that was a really really beautiful episode um i just i kept waiting for pop pop and ann's parents to basically be at the dinner table late at night you know drinking tea or something and just having like a very adult conversation about the shit going on it just seemed like the show was leaning towards that, like, oh, we we could cover this. And and they they come a little close at one point when uh Anne's parents are taking everybody home and and Pop Pop kind of apologizes and, and her dad is just like, You you took my daughter in for like months, you know, like we literally cannot repay you for that. And so at least we're trying. And and I was like, okay, that I wanted this to be like a five or six minute conversation and kind of like the cornerstone to an episode, but at least it was addressed. And I think it was a really nice moment that when it happened, but I, I don't know, I, first, I wanted a bit more in terms of just like character drama and parents meeting parents and like, hey, what's it like being the adult in the room over here? Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because I'm in my 30s and I want something slightly different out of my drama <laughs> stories. No, I don't disagree. I I have heard rumors from like people who worked on the show that they were fairly limited in the way that they could handle some of the more serious implications of things that were going on like i know that uh one of the biggest complaints in like the fandom was that it never really like you really barely see Anne dealing with like the trauma of the insanity that has happened over the past two seasons. And like, it seems like Disney may have like been like, Hey kids, can you lighten up a little? And like made maybe discouraged uh, going into some of that as specifically. And so I could see how that would uh, maybe hamper the possibility of having like a frank conversation between Anne's parents and Hot Pop about all of the shit that's been going on. And it's really unfortunate that uh, shows can be so like successful and well liked and still like brands can put down the hammer on like what they think is acceptable for their image yeah i I, part of me gets it like Anne is there's something kind of great about Anne and that she you know in another universe i would have liked the show to address more of the heavier traumatic stuff that happened to her and what it means but i'm also not that unhappy we didn't get that just because this show is really fun and it just consistently is fun even when it's being not fun yeah and so you know there there is a balance there i kind of get it um i wish that balance maybe leaned a little more even or or you know just it would have been nice to get some of that i i can see not doing a lot of it mm-hmm. i do think though that 
the the traumatic stuff and the darker stuff we get enough of that especially with andreas when he gets like fucked up in his fight with Anne, and you find out like half his limbs are robot parts yeah well i think maybe they they may have had to like ration some of it and so they saved like what was the most important for the the ongoing plot uh as far as like serious shit goes. Yeah, I really like the reveal that Andreas is mostly just a robot. I thought it was really uh interesting and cool. It it really Andreas is a really well well crafted villain just because his motives are very they're very obvious, but there's such an emotional through line to them with like his parents and what he thinks his friends betrayed him and it all his his actions always make kind of sense, which is really, really good in a villain. Also, fucking Keith David, hell of a performance, hell of a get for a voice actor. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, his he he was fantastic. I just remember like the ending to this show. Um, talking to my brother, I'd be like, I can't believe they they they, they addressed this. I can't fucking believe they addressed this. Like, I didn't expect a lot of the heavy stuff in the last you know four or five episodes of the show. Oh, and yeah. was really really impressed and surprised to get it. Uh, not just because like, oh, haha, like dark, heavy stuff in a kid's show, but more because, oh, no, this is what like good storytelling kind of entails is like, hey, we're going to actually talk about stuff. We're going to make these characters really complicated. It's so you don't really have you can at least empathize a bit with the villain. Like he's not just, you know, a giant flaming eye in a tower. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like e- even the even the most antagonist characters of this show are like fully realized creations and then like you find out that you know he thinks his friends betrayed him you, he finds out that they didn't and like everything he knows is wrong and he's he, he throws the fight at the end yeah i mean like i can't imagine living under a certain like thinking things are a certain way for you know i mean he's been alive for fucking like hundreds of years and then finding out that, like, everything you thought you knew was wrong. That's insane. <laughs> it really is. And I, and I feel like it, the show gives you, an, or at least strongly hints at those implications that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the turmoil he's going through. I, I kind of like that he d- doesn't die at the end and he kind of has to, you know, try to reform himself or make up for what he does. Um, yeah, he doesn't I think really that's another, get... He doesn't really get like the noble. Well, he gets a noble sacrifice, but not in a way that like absolves him from all of the shit that he did. So, do we want to hit the uh, the la- the ending? Like, I, I I have I have complaints. Yeah, I guess we can get to the ending. <laughs> Maybe. So, Deus Ex Machina is largely bad. Really big one in this in this show. I, I was. But we got some great anime fights. The anime fight. Oh, we never talked about the anime powers because I was pretty hard against those oh, when they yeah, first showed I up. Remember, I was like, oh, no. Very not into the anime powers. <laughs> I like them and I think it's fun. And I think that it was employed uh, in an in- interesting way. They're used very well if. I want to. I, I do kind of think some of the logic behind them in the latter chunk of season three isn't really there. Like, I Wait. don't get why Sasha and Marcy don't get them earlier on, or why Anne has. Because I know when she was getting the gym power up, like it didn't power up all the way for her, and I was like, oh, that's clearly going to have a side effect. Like that, you know, it's very telegraphed that that's going to mean something. 
I still don't understand exactly what that means because largely she had more superpowers than anybody. I mean, it's just I not really addressed. I don't know that she had more superpowers. She just like managed to tap into hers first. And then like later, Marcy and Sasha like sort of give her their power so that she gets all of it. But like once once Marcy and Sasha actually have their power up, like they it feels like they're all pretty on like even even standing for at least like that one fight. But it doesn't sound like they should be because Anne doesn't have the full charge. Also, they only get their powers when it's plot convenient. Which I also, I wasn't really a fan of, but I enjoyed the spectacle of, so I was like, oh all right, Oh my god, Chad, first it's, I hope they don't use the anime powers too much, and now it's, why didn't they use the anime powers more? Make up your mind. Hey, hey I'm saying if you're going to be logically inconsistent, I'm going to call you out on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the magic powers are mostly, like, um, MacGuffin, anyway. Yeah. Oh, freaking though, and beating up Andreas to Blackpink. Oh my god, it's so good! It's <laughs> so good. I told my so brother good. that, and he's like, he's like, which Blackpink song did they use? I was like, oh, you know the one where they say Blackpink in your area? And he's like, that doesn't fucking help me. That's like half their songs. That's true. Blackpink in my area? It's more likely than you think. I would love to see them, but I don't want to have to spend thousands of dollars on scalp right? tickets. Fuck you, Ticketmaster. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Deus Ex Machina is bad. So Anne basically fucking dies and i was like oh my god and sacrificed herself to like are we really going here there's no way we are they're, they're gonna do something to bring her back to life fine um <laughs> i have i'll have i have certain levels of what i'll accept in a kid's cartoon and then it was like oh no you're really dead i am god i just showed up or i'm a god entity i made a duplicate of you and i can send you back and it's like oh wow okay we're we're, we're this is stupid i i i've the scene itself was funny. It was well-written. It was enjoyable. It had some Lovecraft horror going on that I'm always a fan of. But from a, a structure standpoint, I, it is like the antithesis to what I wanted or what I thought this show was going to end with. Like, it really... I was kind of mad. I didn't dislike the Anne meets God scene as much as you did. I thought it was kind of... Uh, I thought it was kind of fun and cute. I like that God takes the former cat. <laughs> I mean, it's just sort of like, yeah, you died, but we need a happy ending. So I, God, am going to show up and bring you back to life. And it's like, fuck that. Well, first, it's not just that she brings Anne back to life. Like, at first, she, like, offers for Anne to become, like, God or whatever, right? Which, very cool. Could be the crux of an entire show or... Or like a character decision and you put that at the end of season one so it's established. <laughs> you don't do it ten minutes before the entire show is over. Uh, I I didn't think it was that bad. I I kinda liked it. Uh and I also and part of that also might just be that I like uh the voice actress that plays God in that scene. So like I was like excited to to hear her and was sort of endeared to the whole thing. But like I, you know, like I'm also normally a JSX Machina hater in a lot of ways, but like I don't know. I like it felt a little easy, but I also I don't know. I didn't hate it. it it's it's part of the show that felt like it needed another episode or two. Like it, it, it there was a rushed aspect to it. That's and I feel the like the thing is, I think that 
I think that they like had to do 18 episodes instead of, uh, well, you know, now that I think about it, two episodes in that season are, well, no, I'm trying to confuse myself with math, which is really not something I should do. I'm gay. I can't do math. But like, it, it does <laughs> feel like they needed two more episodes and that would have made like a t- like 20 episode season. And that would have been nice. It, it just seemed like. I think they probably wanted to do something similar to that way before they had to do it. It's just they didn't have the time or resources to do it elegantly, so they didn't. Or as elegantly. I don't think they did it. I don't think the whole thing was done inelegantly. I think it was done very inelegantly. (laughs) I think it was only done a little inelegantly. An unforeseen God character showed up to bring Anne back to life in the final 10 minutes. (laughs) Nothing is elegant about that. That is stupid <laughs> and then the epilogue was bad because all epilogues are bad uh i mean okay like i don't hate the epilogue but i it makes me i don't care if it's realistic it makes me sad that like they all grew apart in high school like they couldn't at least have grown apart like in college and then come back together like come on like, I, it makes me really sad when Sasha and Marcy are in the car and Sasha's like, yeah, we really hung out in different friend groups in high school. And it's like, I don't care that that would probably happen for real. Like, let me have this. I mean, that that's kind of part of it, right? Is I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a satisfying epilogue. It doesn't really do anything. It, it explains like, hey, here's a realistic option. But anytime you like shoot 10 years in the future for your last four minutes of a thing or your last chapter, like it, it's almost always feel feels very ham fisted and it's it's just never necessary. Like I can't really think of a single epilogue that I think was necessary. Um, granted, I don't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of all the shit I've watched or seen, but <laughs> in general, epilogues don't do anything for me, I think are a waste of page space and can leave you with a very sour taste, which this one did. I, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think it, like, I didn't think it was that bad. Like, I don't have as many qualms with it as you seem to. I don't have an issue with the characters growing apart, because like you said, that's, that's that seems like the realistic option. People yeah, see, I feel apart. like we have, like, opposite opinions on this. It's like, I'm mostly fine with the epilogue, but, like, I have little granular nitpicks with it. Um, that that is kind of... My my thought process on Amphibia as a whole, uh, especially since it's been a bit <laughs> on the whole, a very good show. Like I said, like other than, you know, the last like 10 minutes of the last episode made decisions that I don't like. Do you oh, well. have any interest in the Marcy's Diary uh, book that came out? No. Oh, well, I didn't think you were going to read it, but like when I read it, are you interested in hearing what's in it? I mean, if you want to, if you want to vomit stuff at me, you know, feel free. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will read the, I will read it. I, I, I tend to supplemental material tends to not do much for me. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's like, hey, is is the stuff in the main, the main text of of your show, your your series, whatever it is? Cool, that's what I want. Everything else, like, it, 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 it never feels like it adds enough to 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 justify its existence, or in some cases, like is downright detrimental to its existence. <laughs> I don't think this will be that, but I definitely don't like, 
I don't need it in my life to be like, sure. no, I already enjoy this. Like, I didn't watch, uh, I didn't read any of the Gravity Falls spinoff stuff either. Yeah, I mean, I have the, I have, like, Journal 3, but, like, I honestly have barely looked at it. I have, like, the expensive one that I've, like, barely even opened. Like, my supplemental, if you wanted to get me interested in more stuff, it's like, do a really good run of Amphibia toys. Like, I would want those on my shelf. Oh, man. The way that I would, like, totally kill for some good Amphibia toys. Like, give me a Sasha action figure with her two swords. Like, uh You know, I... I don't know if there's any good, like, 3D prints that I could... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. ...make happen. Um, I have heard that, like... I feel like they, the creative side of Amphibia wants to do comics or something, or like, I know that they were, there was rumors that they were trying to push for a Polly spinoff show, like about like, since Polly at the, uh, at the end of the show is like a, a little adolescent now, uh, giving her her own show, but I don't think that's going to happen. I would I would love some Amphibia comics. I feel like that they could do really well there. Uh, and I mean, there's been other Disney uh, tie-in comics, I think. So, you know, I guess it's not unheard of. But uh, I would I would definitely read some uh, some like follow up stuff if they ever made it, because I, I quite like the show. There's and definitely, I do intend on reading Marcy's journal when I get it. It should be coming soon. There's definitely a lot of the Amphibia world that I think would be fun to explore. Because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it feels very big and rich, which is nice. Like, it's not, you know, like, like Tatooine is the sand planet. I feel like you could make a really good tabletop setting. Yeah, that would be kind of neat. Like, if, if, if they put, like, a D&D style rulebook out or something, if people wanted to have adventures in Amphibia, like, I could see that being kind of charming i like polly a lot as a character by the way like she was <laughs> she's all, she's a, a delight from kind of start to finish polly's so good i'm not finding any like amphibia stl files and i feel like this is one of those be the change in the world you want to see but i don't know how to 3d model and i'm tired <laughs> all the time so probably not gonna happen there, there is one for the calamity box oh that'd be cool I found where someone made like a like 3D, I guess, like a, a a sculpture model thing of Sasha that looks really dope, but it's not like an STL. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like it, it, if I had all the characters in this style, God, um, yeah, I would print them and paint them and that would be a fun project. I have like I'm like really so considering getting like an amphibia tattoo which is really ridiculous and stupid but like the drive in me to get like sasha's two heron swords like crossed the way she has on her little keychain that she has after the time skip is like so strong i think that'd be pretty neat it would probably be very cute I have a a pair of earrings that i bought on etsy that are the two swords Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I'm glad that you watched Amphibia. I had a feeling that you would like it, even though it's not as like, it's not as specifically up your alley as the Owl House was. Uh, I'm glad you ended up enjoying it. 
Yeah, me too. It was it was a really delightful watch. Um, I, I don't know really what that just speaks to the strength of the writing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I will end up watching next. I, I guess right now I'm rewatching Yurikuma to mine for song lyrics like a weirdo that that project uh, coming soon, maybe. <laughs> People at work, Heather wants me to watch uh, Sandman on Netflix. At some point, I should just get a Netflix account and watch all the Netflix things I'm supposed to watch. There's yeah. so much shit to watch. Yeah, there's so much shit to watch all the time. I'm I'm thinking about I'm probably going to watch uh, Sandman at some point. So if you end up watching it, we'll probably talk about it. I can see that happening. I feel like there's anime and cartoons I'm supposed to watch, too, but I don't. I didn't write any of them down, so oops. And this is how I, sh- I should really start my uh, campaign to get you to watch Enter the Vampire. <laughs> That's a real tonal shift from all my other recommendations. Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, it, you know, for one, it's got real human. Well, I say human, real vampire people and not uh, it's not animated. So okay, that's okay. a, a, bi- a big step up for me. <laughs> uh, they, actually, real talk, like, I'm not going to derail, but the interview with the vampire show is like really fucking good. Like, oh, nice. Like, really good. Like, I had zero expectations. I wasn't even going to watch it. And then I started hearing people say it was good. And I was like, maybe I'll check this out. And then, like, Gwen and I started watching it. And I'm, like, obsessed. I'm, like, about to start reading the book. I'm obsessed. Like, it's it's extremely good. Highly, highly, highly recommend. It's on, it's, like, AMC Plus, though. So you'll have to, like, find it on some horrible streaming website that uh makes your browser very scared for its life yeah not a not a fan of doing that but sometimes sometimes that's the only option i might have a link though uh because i tracked it down for someone else to watch the well i tracked it down for someone else to watch the other day because uh they wanted to watch it and i wanted them to watch it so i could talk about it uh but yeah, also, um, as a, a just a little uh, a- a explainer here, just for you, because the listeners won't be able to see this, uh, in the the Zencaster room that I made for this recording, I titled uh, the episode Warrior Chats Amphiboland. And the reason I did that is because uh, originally the show was going to be called Amphiboland instead of Amphibia. But uh, there was some Netflix show that had like frog, like anthro frog characters in it. And the world in that show was called Amphiboland and they didn't want to like tread on any toes or whatever. So they changed it to Amphibia when they actually started production on the cartoon. And I think Amphibia is a much better name, much catchier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much easier to say. Fun little piece of uh, trivia to end on. You know what else we could end on is a glad space, since I yeah. guess we do that on this show. Do you have a glad space? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I want my glad space to be today. Um, I started writing another short story today, and like oh. I banged out like 2,000 words in an hour, and so that nice. was nice. That doesn't happen very often. Nice. Hell yeah. What's, what's your short story about? Uh, a, a guy finds a, a dragon... And he doesn't know how to take care of it, so he goes on a Facebook group dedicated to reptiles, and he's like, hey, I found a reptile, how do I, how do I take care of this? <laughs> and no one's convinced it's a real dragon, they think he's just fucking with them, but there's like, well, I mean, it's probably like a, 
a you know bearded dragon, you know, which haha, right? I get it. You, you, then it's just going to escalate from there, or it's supposed to. I haven't gotten that far yet because evidently this thing wants to be way fucking longer than it needs to be, as as is always the case. <laughs> that sounds delightful. Uh, my glad space is that uh, over the course of this recording, I have had uh, not my first, but my second alcoholic beverage since my surgery a uh, couple of months ago, and. That's my glad space. It's been it's been a good beverage. Hell yeah. I had uh it's like one of those uh it's not crystal light but like some one of those things where it's like a powder and you mix into water uh to make like a fl- a flavored water beverage and I mix that with some vodka and it has been tasty. Kind of vodka is Emily drinking tonight. It is Mississippi's own Cathead Vodka. The Ooh, vodka. a local brand. That's vodka cool. that I usually buy. And if you look in the uh, the old art for the comics podcast, is the uh, that's specifically the alcohol that I'm holding in that is in that art. I drew the Cathead logo on that bottle. Did you start drinking it because it has a cat on it? Uh, no, I actually I tried it. Be- well, I mean. The cat head helped, but no, like also just I was like, oh, it's like a Mississippi brand. That's kind of fun. So I tried it and I was like, oh, this is a good vodka. So, yeah, it's uh, it's manufactured not far from where friend of the show Alice lives. Hell yeah. Get that vodka. Yeah. Good stuff. Did you did you drink anything tonight? Um, I not not with you. Uh, I did have some with uh, with dinner with my parents. We went out mm-hmm. to eat and I had a some kind of signature cocktail it was a uh, hot chocolate was the main thing but then it had some kind of flavor it had like a butterscotch schnapps and then some kind of flavored pecan i think whiskey in it Ooh, and it was really good i i would have probably put like a proper shot of bourbon in there if i'd be making it at home just because that's what i do but it was it was a nice like tasty but it was more of a dessert in some ways. It was very, <laughs> very thick, sweet. Um, yeah, I was going to say, chocolate. you said hot chocolate, so that that's very, very dessert-y. And then when I was watching The Fox and the Hound, I had uh, I had a little bit more bourbon just to, just to sip on for the movie. I bought my stepdad some scotch for Christmas. Uh, I bought him like a $35 bottle of scotch. Uh, I think it's Chavis Regal. I don't know how to say any of these words, but my mom texted it to me. So I went to the liquor store and I'm like, hi, do you have this? Nice. Uh, it was thirty five fucking dollars. Scotch is expensive, folks. Oh, boy. I'm I'm, I'm prepared. I'm going to be dropping eighty dollars on bourbon sometime this week before Christmas. So machi machi for, for one bottle. That's so much. The problem with, with when you get into really ritzy liquor is that you, you want to keep drinking it. I know. So, the problem with the really ritzy liquor is that it tastes good. I know. I will say I have I have some like really reliable twenty five dollar bottles. I I tend to go to just because I'm not totally ridiculous. But now and then it's like you know for fifty bucks I can get like these one of these two and those are just remarkably better. Yeah, Cathead is like a twenty two dollar bottle. Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah. I I don't need expensive vodka. I, I'm gonna mix it. Yeah, exactly. Like that's. Part of the like, you can get better, like clearer tasting vodka or whatever. But like, why why spend it if you're just gonna mix it at this time? 
Yeah. That's the thing, like, if I can ever get you and Jean-Luc and Alex down here, like, I'll buy a really nice bottle of bourbon, and then, I, I've said this before, and then I will enjoy it, and everyone else probably won't, and then I will be a disappointed parent. You just have to come to that con that I'm going to in Minneapolis, and... Oh, I don't want to, though. But it'll be fun. I, the, it's, like, the last place I want to be for two reasons. But it's the best place that you'd want to be for one reason. Me! Are we done? Should we sign out? Yeah, we can sign off. All right. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this. Um, We spoiled the shit out of Amphibia. I'll probably put that in the title. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I feel like you could still watch most of it and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's super worth watching, even if you know how it ended. I mean, I fucking knew how it ended when I started watching it. More or less, it was Digimon. I was like, okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah, like, explain the specifics of the Digimon comparison. Oh, that that she has to leave and and leave her friends behind and never see them again, and it's sad. Yeah, I also think it's a little bullshit that, like, they didn't have some sort of, like... I, you know, I don't know if I wanted her to have a portal that she could go to all the time. Give them, like, a cell phone or something. I respect the finality. Admittedly, when he when she did give Sprig a cell phone, I was like, oh, maybe there's going to be some magic shit and they'll be able to text back and forth, which would be yeah. kind of a neat uh, middle ground. Uh, ultimately, though, I do. I mean, if they weren't going to kill her off, at least this was some like proper sad finality that, that yeah. you know, it works. I get it, but it also makes me sad. That's OK, though. Sometimes it's OK to watch things and be sad. Sometimes it's OK to be sad. You need to watch. um Anahana, the flower that bloomed that summer. Uh, you know, you're not, this is not the first time I've had that recommended to me. So maybe so. If you, if you pledge to watch that, I'll, I'll rewatch it. And that could be another. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's I, still on Crunchyroll. I, I have a couple of friends that like it. So uh, I'm not opposed to watching that at all. It's better than Yashihine. I mean, most things are. Yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. Night, everybody. Bye.